welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're so welcome. I is this an exciting podcast or what? This is well. What do we use? We've used um, emergency podcasts. Sure. We've used. Uh, uh, have we said legendary at some point to refer to one of the? I can't remember something probably, like that. Probably. Probably. This is. I would say this one. Yes, exciting is the right <laughs> word to modify the noun podcast we, for this edition. We we uh, I, I can't even. I don't even know how to say this. We've done something that like other podcasts would do. We've done something that would like sort of be viewed as professional. We uh, have an interview, an actual interview with uh, let it uh, with a uh, let America vote uh, founder Jason Kander. That's ridiculous. It's why would That's Jason right. Kander come on this show? Why? It's unclear, <laughs> and I'm suspicious of it. Frankly, I feel like this might be a trap. Uh, he is a former Secretary of State of Missouri. He ran for Senate in Missouri. He is the Almost founder won. of Let America Vote, which is a great, great, came very, very close very to winning, close to winning uh, in Missouri. The founder of Let America Vote, which is a wonderful organization, and is like, he's like 36 or something. And there's a decent chance that in the next like 30 years, there's a, there's a remarkably good chance that he's going to be like the president <laughs> of the United States. <laughs> and, when, and when he is, what will he look back on these? 45 minutes he spent with us what will he look i assume what he'll say is that was the that was the thing that put me over the top that's what he would be thinking but he (laughs) he's also more importantly for our purposes he's a huge uh, kansas city sports fan he's huge royals fan huge chiefs fan we're going to talk to him about both of those things and uh and have a have a mostly meaningless sports conversation with a guy who does a lot of very meaningful things absolutely it's amazing amazing all right uh, before we get to that, though, uh, there are a couple things to discuss, a couple of, of very, very important. They're not important at all. Um, <laughs> but there there are, uh, first of all, we are coming up on a, a, a big, big sports week. So this weekend, we've got the AFC and NFC championship games, uh, which we've, mm-hmm. we've discussed a little bit. But have we made our predictions? We have not really made our Super Bowl predictions, have we? I don't think so, but we should, we I guess, should, right? right? We're, we're nominally speaking a sports podcast. <laughs> very, very nominally. Very. You know, a couple of people have actually uh, uh, texted me uh, or tweeted to me or whatever the case may be about that very question. They're like, well, how would you classify the podcast? Because it's not really a sports podcast. A podcast, it is somewhat sports related, but there's also uh, pop culture. Uh, there's also things that we can't classify that are unclassifiable, uh, which is uh, 90% of it. Um, so how would you classify it? And, and I, and I tell them we don't, we don't get into, we don't, we don't get into tags and names. That's not who we are. Yeah. We're not about labels. We're not about labels. You know? We don't if put I us in any to, box. It's I had to label it. I would just say it's a waste of time. Waste of time. Right? That's we told yeah. Jason Kander that too, by the way, we told him that. Yeah. He seemed to um he seemed it wasn't a deal breaker. <laughs> Which <laughs> we is like, so weird. We were like, you know this is a waste of time. And he was like, Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I'm good, I'm good with that. It's okay. I've got a little time to waste, so I want to waste it doing this. Um <laughs> all right, so we're gonna pick our Super Bowl things and and then next week, and I'm 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 going to make my prediction for who is gonna get into the Hall of Fame because that is going to happen next week. Obviously, we've already yeah. done, obviously, like like everybody knows what we do. We have already done our uh ballot uh player by player uh run down which you can find wherever you found this i guess um 
<laughs> but we'll, I think we should both make predictions. I think we'll probably be on on the same page on the predictions on who's gonna who's gonna get in. But uh, let's do that. But first, you have said on the record, it, it is on the record. I believe people have even written about this uh, that you're actually rooting for the Jaguars uh, this weekend against your New yes. England Patriots. Uh, I think Correct. I think the Patriots is that really going to happen? I think they might. I really legitimately think they might. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm far from the first person to make this point, but the, the Jaguars team is, is eerily similar to the two giants teams that beat them in the Super Bowl. Good point. And it down to the fact that Tom Coughlin is on the payroll of the Jaguars currently. Uh, And, but it's like, if you watch the Jaguars defense and I know they've been, they, the Pittsburgh put up 42 points against them. And I know that the, the 49ers ran through them a couple weeks ago towards the end of the season. But if you look at what the, uh, what they do, they never blitz ever. They just don't blitz. They don't have to, because they've got four, like uh, Velociraptors on their defensive line <laughs> and they just rush those four guys and get a good amount of pressure. And then they have, I mean that, that pass that Roethlisberger threw that was picked off in the first oh uh, quarter gosh. of that game. That was just, a, that was like an, an out route to a speedy wide receiver and the ball was put, was placed pretty well. Yeah. And Miles Jack just like, just outran the <laughs> receiver and got his hand in there and tipped the ball up and caught it and made like an incredible sort of tightrope play. That's exactly what the Giants did to the Patriots. They just were like their their cornerbacks were all over the receivers. Their safeties covered their tight ends. Their uh, they their linebackers flow in the right direction all the time. Like they they rush four and drop seven, and they just shut you down. And um, you know if the Steelers, if it had been the Steelers, like everybody thought, I think the Patriots would have done their usual thing and sort of picked them apart. And just, you know, especially with that Ryan Shazier, they would have sliced through that defense. I don't think they'll be able to. And I also think that like Leonard Fournette is a is a, like a weird. He's just basically a pickup truck who <laughs> just takes the ball and knocks people over. And I feel like we're heading toward a 16-13 Jaguars victory. Interesting. That's my prediction. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. First of all. Uh, I'm really glad to hear you. This is this is a question I have, and and this sort of gets into the narrative of sport or whatever. The narrative obviously is because the Giants beat the Patriots in two Super Bowls that the Giants had the Patriots number, that the Giants somehow knew in some ways or had the right kind of team to beat the Patriots, and that you know clearly it's true. You can't go back and say that's not true. However, by both those games, the Patriots should have won. You know, I mean, I mean, even yeah. even within the confines of what happened during those games, uh, it took quite a lot for the Giants to still win. Quite a, you know, obviously the first one, particularly with the crazy helmet catch and everything else. Um, yeah, you know, so I mean, when the argument for Brady as best quarterback ever isn't just five Super Bowl wins more than anybody else and two Super Bowl like runners up. Uh, it you know seven total Super Bowls, all the conference championships. The argument to me is five Super Bowl wins, and in the two they lost, he gave his team the lead right? with like under two minutes to I play. Mean. Like that's what I mean. Yeah, he did did the thing that like every other quarterback dreams of doing, which is lead your team on a go ahead drive with like a minute left in the Super Bowl. So even in the ones they lost, they could have won. Now, obviously, it should be said, in all five of the ones they won, they could have lost. They, well, they could have lost, oh, no won. question. They no won question. in overtime last year, obviously. They barely beat the Seahawks with a huge fourth quarter comeback. They 
And the other three, they only won by a field goal. They could, I mean, they could have obviously, they could be anywhere from 0 and 7 to 7 and 0, and it wouldn't be that surprising. So, in a weird way, 5 and 2 is right. But you're right that it's like the, the narrative is the Giants did it. And the truth is that, you know, it, they could have either failed, they could have come close and failed very easily, or there could have been a bunch of other teams that also shut them down and we would never, we wouldn't be talking about right. this. No, I think that's 100% right. And I think you you mentioned uh, the game that I would specifically point out, which is the Giants have their number. The Giants have their number. Tom Coughlin's their guy. You don't you think there's anybody on that Seattle Seahawks team that doesn't wake up in the middle of the night still right. from that loss? Right. I mean, you know, I mean, they're just jolt to bed like like oh, did the Patriots have their number? No, like he no. threw an interception on the goal line when he should have run the ball. I mean, it, it's uh, it's crazy. It's just it's, football is just roulette. Like at a, at a certain point, football's roulette and all of the good players and coaches and schemes and everything else that just gives you more possible numbers to bet on you know but there's no <laughs> such thing as a team that can bet on every number in roulette and guarantee a victory so it's you know like the exactly the patriots did not have the seahawks number a crazy football thing happened and in pretty much the one thing i'll say about the patriots and i know everybody hates the patriots and i don't blame you yes but everyone yes. should kind of be rooting for the patriots to get to the super bowl because the patriots have played in seven super bowls in the tom brady bill belichick era and every one of them has been at least a very good game like the the That's worst true. the worst game they played was the one against the eagles probably yeah that was a pretty yes. boring game but obviously the rams game was amazing the Falcons game last year was it was twenty eight to three with three minutes left in the third. He went to overtime. The Seahawks game was thrilling. The uh, you know the game against the Panthers was weirdly amazing, crazy. exciting. The two yeah, the Giants were insane. Like the it's a pretty reliably good game when the Patriots make it. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's that's any prediction of what would happen again. But I'm just saying, like they it's in terms of like an entertaining football game. Like you'd take any of those Patriots Super Bowls over. Broncos Seahawks wouldn't you like I mean, come on yeah yeah well that's true although I mean because the Patriots won five of them none of them were good games um the other the other uh the other element by the way the, you mentioned the only bad game was that Eagles game maybe that was because the Eagles seemed unaware of the clock running during yes, the fourth they quarter were, they needed two scores and oh. they just took they huddled they were huddling with like four minutes left. huddling and not just huddling kind of like moseying to the line like we got all day here people I mean it was that was just weird all right I think the Patriots are going to win I I want desperately the Jaguars to win and maybe I'm just hoping to jinx the Patriots but I kind of think that the Jaguars the Jaguars thing reminds me their their defense is amazing and Fournette is he's he's crazy good. I mean he's the guy that you know on first hit means like nothing to him. You know he just he just bounces. It's like hitting Mr. T in Rocky Three. You know like the first <laughs> hit does nothing. Just it just makes him mad. Yeah. You know. Um, so he's he's terrific and 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 that defense is amazing. They it's it's one of those games where you go in with like hey. They could they match up with the Patriots. Patriots are getting a little long in the tooth in, in several areas. Look, you don't know if this is the the day. Look, there 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 is a ticking clock on Tom Brady. I don't care what anybody says. I don't know when it's going to go off. I don't think it's going to go off now, but it's going to go off at some point. I mean, he's he's not going to be a superstar quarterback at forty five. I don't care how much beet juice he drinks or whatever. So, um, 
So this is one of those games that you go in thinking, ah, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And then the Patriots win by like three touchdowns. They're like, oh, yeah, Blake Bortles. I forgot <laughs> that Blake Bortles is their quarterback. And, yeah. and they, you can't you can't beat the Patriots with Blake Bortles as your quarterback. So I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think they're going to um, – I do think that the Patriots are going to win and we're all going to be very sad. Um, and it's going to hurt the show, the good place as well. It's going to hurt. No, uh, far, far from it. If, it. if Jacksonville, no matter what happens, it's going to be fun. We've already gotten more than we could have ever hoped to get out of the Jaguars. Yeah. That's true. You're a winner no matter what. All right. And then Vikings and Eagles. Um, man, do I not care. But who, who's who's going to win that Vikings-Eagles? Uh, I believe the Vikings are going to win. I think uh, yeah, I we the, the thing that everybody's saying is like, Case Keenum and Nick Foles, like, what the heck? But the thing that everybody is just choosing to ignore is that Case Keenum has played all year and been great. It's not... He's kind of good. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of just exactly. a good quarterback. And I know, like, everyone's talking about Case Keenum from, like, three years ago when he was on the Texans or whatever. But, like... He's just a good quarterback. You just got to stop. We got to stop yeah. thinking of him as a guy who stinks and is having a fluke year. And like, and Nick Foles, by the way, was also good a couple of years ago. It's just that he didn't start playing until like three games ago. And I, at the end of the right. day, the Vikings defense, both defenses are very good. I think the Vikings defense is maybe a little better. I think the Vikings offense is much better. And I know that it's going to be a hostile environment, but it's not like the Viking. The Vikings play in Green Bay in December every year. It's not like they're gonna get right. freaked out by cold weather like i i i just watched the eagles or i didn't i watched the highlights of the eagles winning a playoff game at home <laughs> over a pretty bad team 15 to 10 and i just was like i don't know i i just don't see them i can't imagine a scenario where they where they beat the vikings but i may but who knows it's football i think they could i mean I, again i'll tell you what i mean this is this is frustrating this is very frustrating I think they win by two touchdowns if Carson Wentz is their quarterback. I mean, I just, I just think that there's, yeah, it's not just that he's that much better than than Nick Foles or anybody else. I mean, look, the guy was MV, basically MVP, you know, when he played. That whole team just had a whole different vibe when he was there, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was just a completely different. Um, yeah, it was just a different vibe. Just a different vibe when he was quarterback. He's young and he's exciting, and and there's you know, and he and he just throws the ball downfield, and it's just it's it's just different. And I I feel sad. I feel sad that we don't get to see Carson Wentz in this situation because I, I think know. he's really really. It's a bummer. It's Any a bummer. anytime a guy anytime a guy like leads a team the whole year and then gets hurt at the end of the year, it it's stinks. And I should clarify, by the way, I, I don't. I said Atlanta was a bad team. I don't think they're a bad team. I just think they were sort of an uninspired team. Yeah. And and but it is still look holding the holding that offense to 10 points is a pretty good feat. Like Philadelphia's defense is for real. Oh, it's for real. It's for real. I just, I just, I just feel like Minnesota. I think the funniest Super Bowl. let's go to this way. The funniest Super Bowl, I think is Philadelphia Jacksonville yes. <laughs> with, with Nick Foles against Blake Bortles. That's the funniest Super Bowl. So I kind of root for that. The second funniest is Minnesota Jacksonville. Obviously that's case Keenan versus uh, Blake Bortles is hilarious. And then the two Brady versions are that'll be the storyline is like Brady going for six. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of rooting. I guess I'm really rooting for the funniest. I'm rooting for Jacksonville, Philadelphia, and I'll accept Jacksonville, Minnesota <laughs> as also funny. <laughs> and if you're wrong, all all you do is you get your team back in the Super Bowl again. That's right. Yeah. And, it's a, it's know, kind it's, of a bet hedge for me. I guess <laughs> it's a kind of win-win situation. All right. Uh, before we go to our uh, super exciting interview, 
uh, I don't think we're going to get to talk before next week. We might, but but might not get to talk before next week's uh, Hall of Fame election. Uh, basically, this is all I've been doing for the last month is writing about every single person on this Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, here's who I think. I'll say mine first. I'll say who I think is going to get elected. Uh, okay. And then you you tell me what you think. I think we're going to have a four person class. This is not controversial at all. I think this is the way the numbers are leaning. Uh, but I think certainly Chipper Jones and Jim Tomey are going to go there as first uh, time people on the ballot, probably with greater than 90% of the vote. They're in. Uh, very exciting. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero does seem after one year of of getting close, but, but not getting in. Uh, it looks to me like he is also going to be a hugely uh, overwhelming choice. And then I think uh, that we're going to have Trevor Hoffman is going to get in, and he's he's been on the brink the last two years. He's not a lock to get in at this moment uh, based on the early voting and based on sort of the general thing. But I think he'll get in. I think he'll get in with the, you know, 80, 80%, 78 to 82% of the vote. I think he'll get in. I think that, uh, that Edgar Martinez is going to make it right to the brink, probably right around 70%. And uh, and we'll get in next year, his last year on the ballot. I think Mucina, Mike Mucina, and uh, a guy we're going to talk a little bit about with Jason Kander, Kurt Schilling, are both going to make some. Uh, they're going to they're going to move forward a little bit, but they're not going to get close enough to be sort of in the shadow of the goal line. And I think we see no movement at all on Bonds or Clemens. So that's those are my predictions. What do you think? Uh, almost the same. I think the four guys who get in are exactly those guys, Hoffman, Guerrero, Chipper, and Tomei. I think it's pretty easy for all of them. Um, I, th- I think Edgar is going to get to like 70%. That's my guess. I feel like this is his ninth year on the ballot, right? So he's got one more after this, one which means he's, he's in, he'll get in, hopefully sees it in his 10th and final. I actually think we will get some movement on Clemens and Bonds. Ooh, I think that, interesting. I think, yeah, like I kind of feel like there's been enough time that's gone by and it's like there's bigger problems in the world. And um, But I, I also think that we'll get movement, a little bit of movement on Musina. And I think that by the time Musina's done, he's going to be Blylevin and people are going to push him over the top. I think he's, he's halfway through. This is, year, this is year five. And I think that he's going to end up being this guy that like, um, that, you know, the, the kind of like, um, the years and years and years of consistency and of really, really good control numbers and 270 wins and like all that stuff. Yeah. Like I think by the time, by the time we're all done, I feel like Mucina is going to get in. And I, and so I think you'll see a little bit of movement with him too. And everybody, everybody else is probably about the same. I wonder about Larry Walker. That is one guy that I wonder. And look, he's not going to make movement as into the into like 50, 60 percent movement. But I wonder if he'll get into the 40s or something where you can start to say, hey, maybe maybe he's beginning to get a little momentum. I, I that's that's a guy that, that I'm certainly keeping an eye on. Here's what I would say about Larry Walker, by the way. And he, he's never going to get in. Maybe he'll get into the Veterans Committee or whatever. Everybody said the same. We talked about this last week. The same it's the same problem every year with him. It's like he played in Colorado, blah, 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 blah. Right. So don't look at OPS then look at OPS plus, which is adjusted for the park you play in and adjusted for the era you play in career OPS plus Vlad Guerrero, easy hall of famer this year, 140. Larry Walker won't get anywhere close. 141. (laughs) He he was adjusting for cores. He had a better 
OPS, he was a better all-around hitter than Vlad Guerrero. Now, granted, Vlad Guerrero didn't walk nearly as much and blah, 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 blah. That's but the big reason, right? That's the big reason. But the truth, the fact remains, like you adjust what you you adjust for that and you still end up with him as a better overall hitter by that metric than a guy who's going to sail into the Hall of Fame in his second year of eligibility. And and the, my big argument with Walker has always been his, his all-around play. He's a better outfielder than than Vlad. Vlad was more fun. He was more fun. He'd uncork that that army. He'd overthrow everybody and, and try to get people out. He was fun, but Walker was a better outfielder. He was a better base runner. Uh, you know, he was a better all-around player in a lot yeah. of ways than than Vlad. Uh, Vlad is a, to me a slam dunk Hall of Famer. It's exciting that he's going to go in. I hope people start seeing it with Walker. I do. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. We go in on a on a sad note. All right, let's uh, let's go to our interview with Le- uh, Let America Vote founder Jason Kander. You know, usually here on the podcast, we we only waste our own time, right? I mean, that's basically what the theme of of the podcast is. Uh, but now we we've gone and and we've decided to waste time of of someone significantly. Uh, more important than both of us, which is which is sad on our part. But we have with us uh, Jason Kander, uh, attorney, politician, uh, the founder of Let America Vote, and most importantly for this for this podcast, um, baseball fan. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I, uh, I it's not a waste of my time at all, um, but uh, it's 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 definitely it's going to be my favorite part of the day today. <laughs> Now you say it's not a waste of your time. You say that now, but well, that's the, right. the time wasted <laughs> it hasn't started yet. But by the time we're done, you'll revisit that statement and you'll revise it. That's what my I, prediction. What I mean is, is that I don't view it as a waste of my time. But it is possible that some of the people who schedule my day and want me to do things <laughs> that advance that advance the cause, they may feel that way. But you know, I'm very happy to be here. Well, that's, that's great. All right. we, we are so happy to have you. And and. Uh, uh, we're happy to waste your time, but whether whether you believe it or not. Um, so, so Jason, obviously, we want to cover quite a bit of uh, sports ground. You, you would call yourself. I mean, I, you know, having followed you on on Twitter and 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 knowing you just a little bit, you're a legitimate gigantic Royals fan, right? I mean, you would call yourself because because there are politicians. I'm not going to name names, but we know who they are. Uh, who are like, oh, yay, I'm a huge Cardinals fan. They don't know anything about mm-hmm. their teams at all. They just show up and and wave and they leave in the second inning. But this Royals thing, like you are a legitimate huge Royals fan. Uh, I Yes, I, I, I definitely am to the point where, you know, look, I, I've been a, a statewide politician in Missouri and I've been counseled many times to lean back a little bit in the past on my Royals fandom because mm-hmm. if, you, if you ever look in a map of – and you know, you know this well. Uh, if you look at a map of where fandom goes in Missouri, there's like a red, you know, cloud that extends to roughly Sedalia on the western side of the state, and then after that, it's blue. But then it's it's mostly Kansas and the Kansas City area. So yes, the vast majority of Missouri voters are Cardinals fans, and yet I, I I'm an evangelist uh, about the Royals to the point where I once started a speech at an event in St. Louis with a story about the Royals, and my staff just I could just see them like oh my god, and then, and 
And then the the profile of me that ran in the paper like a week before the election led with something about Jason Kander is the kind of politician who will talk about the Royals in the front of a St. Louis audience. And, and my staff was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, <laughs> baseball is too important to pander about. Let's be serious. I agree. And I, I was going to ask you, like, in my view, and granted, it's a skewed view, but I would say that, like, I would so much rather vote for a politician who supported his or her team in the face of what is an obvious sort of of obvious political harm. I would so much rather like support that person because you would get the sense that that person just like has things that he or she believes in straight up. That's the end of the story. Like, sorry, I'm not going to pander like the word to me, the worst political blunder. Joe has very often on this podcast offered his services to politicians of on both sides of the aisle for just like sports counseling. Like if you need to relate to people through sports, I will help you. I'll tell you what to say, what not to say. And to me, the worst blunder was, do you remember Carly Fiorina? Uh, was, it was like it was the Stanford, who were they playing? I don't I can't remember. She was in Iowa. She was, I believe it was leading up to the Iowa caucus. And Iowa was playing whatever university she went to. I think Stanford, an <laughs> Stanford old game or something. Right. And she was like, I love my alma mater, but today I'm rooting for the Hawkeyes. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, so like gross. everyone was just like, no, you ruined every, you ruined it in every direction. Like you're now your alma mater hates you and Iowa knows you're pandering and every everyone just knows that you are a capital P politician. So I feel like you did the right thing. I'm saying you by supporting your team in the face of in like enemy yeah. territory. Here's how I always explained it. I was like, look, uh, you know, if, if the Cardinals are playing somebody who's not the Royals, like I'm fine with that. I'll, sure. You know, I follow them. But I was like, you know, but then I also was the guy who I would go to Bush Stadium when they were playing uh, in interleague play, like wearing my Royal stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and But you're totally right. Like, and, and the thing is, Cardinals fans are, are you know, they're, they're, pretty smart, pretty uh, informed fans. And they have no respect for somebody who's not for their hometown team. And and growing up, you know, like as, as Joe well knows, yes. I grew up in an adult, you know, my adult life, the most of it, the Royals were terrible. Right. And, right. And so I remember all the kids, uh, you know, a little bit younger than me who were becoming uh, Yankees fans and Red Sox fans because and, – and, and I remember a nine-year-old kid saying to me, well, look, every little boy deserves to root for a winning team, <laughs> which was so sad. <laughs> and, but the thing was, I, like when I meet somebody who's from New York and, and they're a Yankees fan, like I'm cool with that. But when I meet somebody who's from like Olathe, Kansas and they're yeah, a Yankees bro. fan – I'm like, what, is, what is this? You know? So, yeah, yeah I think that's, you know, I have, I feel like the rule is if you come by it honestly, it's fine. Like, I never begrudge. I hate the Yankees with every fiber of my being. But if you yeah, grew that's, up, that's half the show right there. Yeah, <laughs> good. Half the show is well hating the Yankees, basically. Yeah. But if you grew up in, in the South Bronx or, or wherever, Staten Island, wherever you grew up, if, the, if that was your hometown team, fine. But if anyone who moves to, a, a like a team move to a city that has a team that has like a winning tradition and then a, and it just adopts that team for the sake of front running that it to me is the least that I have an uncle no this is not a joke I have an uncle who is a who is a Cardinals St. Louis Cardinals fan because he grew up my uh, my parents and and then my grandparents grew up in uh, for a while in St. Louis he was a St. Louis Cardinals fan he moved to New York and became a Yankee oh, fan no, in, no. and this is like and we're t- I'm talking about like in the 19. 19- 80s so it was like <laughs> it was like the, the history of the, the yankees 
Cardinals history was not that old, you know? And I, I still, to this day, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how you do that. Well, what makes that worse is that KMOX signal probably reached New York. So even oh, yeah. though oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't even need like the Bad app, like he could actually still listen to the Cardinals games. Um, That's right. But now the thing about this is, and the way it relates to politics is, and this is how I explain it to politicians when we're not talking baseball, I use this as an analogy. You know, when, when you see politicians who go and they, they take positions they don't believe in, not just baseball, like real stuff, and they take positions they don't believe in because they think, well, you know, I'm going to get all these votes this way. I actually use baseball as an analogy. I say, look, the average voter, they're not thinking about politics the way people in politics are thinking about it. They're experiencing it as something going on in their lives, but they don't sit down with like a spreadsheet and say, well, he or she is with me on this and not this, and then come out with an equation at the end. I actually compare it to the way my friends and I, my Royals friend, my Royals fan friends and I sit around and talk about the Yankees, which is, which is this, like, this Yankee team, as much as I feel morally and contractually obligated as a Royals <laughs> fan to hate them, you know, you can't, you cannot get around the fact that they were, you know, I hate to admit it, but like they're kind of a fun team to watch. And like Aaron Judge is amazing. And the thing is, if I sit around with my Royals fan friends and I say that, nobody goes, you are not a real Royals fan. Get out of here. And politicians think that, uh, voters behave the way politicians do and that if they say you know a bunch of republicans are sitting around and they say you know i kind of like that candor they think that somebody goes you gotta leave that's not what happens <laughs> they're, like, they're like oh yeah yeah he seems okay and then they just move on with their day and and that's that's the similarity to it yeah well the thing the thing is well first of all we we will not concede that the Yankees are fun in any way. That's just That's we, don't, right. we don't we don't we don't That's do that. Only, yeah, I, I you just challenged my entire also. analogy. No, no, it's it's, it's a right good now. analogy, but we don't do that here on this show. Um, <laughs> but more, but more to the point. Here, here's what here's what I think. I mean, look, I, I don't know if you know this. This this is this might be somewhat. You know, you've been you've been busy, so you might not be fully aware of this. Missouri is kind of a tough state for for you. That's a, and Democrats in general. I don't know if you knew that Missouri has become <laughs> I, kind of a tough state. I read um, something about that. You might have read something along the way about about you uh, uh, really going up against the odds. And you, look, you've been a Royals fan all your life. They're finally good. Fine. You cannot give that up for to to pander to 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 people that aren't going to care anyway, right? I mean, this is this is who you are. You are who you are. And I think that's honestly, I mean, that's what makes you cool. And and that's, I think that's really, really important. That's, I to me, that's the biggest beef I have with all politicians in general. I like to think of it in sports terms because that's the way my mind works. But I see a, a politician kind of going up there and saying, oh, I've always loved those Cincinnati Reds with, you know, Johnny Morgan and you know they don't I, I don't I, that bothers me a lot I mean I think I really do think don't don't you believe that being who you are being willing to go up in front of a, a cardinal loving St. Louis crowd and talk about yourself as a Royals fan is a big part of who you are yeah look I, I'm in this line of work politics where there's a special compliment that is reserved only for politicians no one ever says this by anybody else they say you seem really comfortable in your own skin <laughs> and and I think that says so much about politics because you know what you've never heard is anybody say you know what I love about my accountant just a regular guy <laughs> like, you know, you, you've never heard that before nope. and, and you know and at the end of the day like it's you know it's just being a decent person it's just going out there and saying what you think and and that's 
whether it's sports or anything else, like I remember during the the World Series, you know, in '15, I was already running for the Senate, and I, I was I have a, a Ken Brett jersey um, that is like my lucky uh, jersey. I wore it to the wild, crazy wild card game in '14, and then it, it's like so. If the Royals are playing in a playoff game, I have this jersey on, and it was during the World Series, and I had to go give a speech to a very cardinal friendly crowd, and and I was delaying the speech because I was in the car listening to the game, and then <laughs> and and there and it was like you know between innings, and they're like, okay, go give the speech real quick. And then you can come. Yeah, they're very annoyed, but they're like, you can come back and listen to the game. And uh, and I go, and I've still got the jersey on. And they're like, you got to take. It. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, do you realize the responsibility of the power that I have? Like, if this jersey comes up, like, there's a city counting on me right now. Exactly right. And so I gave I gave this speech in a, in a 1981 vintage pullover powder blue uh, Ken Brett jersey, and everybody, the, you know, of course, the, you gave the speech the only way you knew how. Right, right. right. And I'm sure I'm sure not only was a crowd of people sitting there going, Okay, this is ridiculous, but also this guy doesn't even understand that George Brett had right. number five, not number twenty five, not <laughs> understanding that it's his brother and anyway. Yeah. No, seriously, seriously. And and I was just about to say this to you to, to you, Mike. Um the fact that that Jason is wears a Ken Brett jersey is all you need to know. That's that's, that's wonderful. That's a real Royals fan, right? That is a real Royals fan, unless you bought it by mistake. Now that no, would be no. bad. Like no, no, I had it. they don't make them. I had to get it made. And, and you know, and I, the guy. You know, this gives me a moment to uh, evangelize about Ken Brett. Everybody needs to know about this guy. I mean, this is a guy who you know started an All Star game as a pitcher, but was so good that he was used regularly in the National League as a as a pinch hitter uh, and in the American League and. One of the greatest quotes ever, like smack talk quotes in '80, when Brett is chasing 400 and Ken Brett's on the team, and they interview Brett, they interview Ken Brett, and they say, "What's it like to be here, you know, while your while your younger brother is chasing 400?" And he says, "Look, man, if they hadn't got if they hadn't introduced the designated hitter rule, I'd have hit 400 a long time ago." <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was so cool. Ken was yeah. cool. Ken was cool because Ken could really, really hit. And honestly, if he had gone uh, and, and and you know into the big leagues as a hitter, uh, he would have. He absolutely could have made, been a big league hitter and and could have been really really good. But he was up in the big leagues like when he was what nineteen because he was such a good pitcher. He you know George always says that Ken had way more talent than he had, uh, which is awesome. Just there, awesome. There is one. Uh, guy in the history of Major League Baseball to homer in five consecutive appearances as a pitcher, and it's not Babe Ruth. It's Ken Brett. Look at that. Wow. Look at that. We are getting some serious, awesome sports trivia that's on that's, this podcast. That's fact of the day right there. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you, as uh, give us the like anecdote uh, that is most indicative of your World Series celebration experience. Like I love oh, yeah. as a as a Red Sox fan, I love hearing from specific people with specific stories of like the moment that it actually happened. Like, where were you? Give us, set the scene for us. My World Series story isn't as good. Um, but, you know, it's that because I was uh, at my house in Columbia, Missouri uh, with, uh, with my wife and we were watching it on TV. And it's the same spot I had been in actually a year before when they lost in Game 7. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember it, it's an okay story, but basically I was sitting there and I, the moment that I realized, like, when they took that lead uh, in game five and, like, it was clear, like, okay, this is – it was basically when, when Hosmer tripled and, and they pulled out Harvey, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to win. And I remember I turned to my wife, who I've 
who now is a pretty big baseball fan. And, uh, and I, I mean, she has no choice and I, turned, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm miserable about it. I, you know, anyway, but so I, I turned to her and I was like, Oh my God, the Royals are going to win the world series. And then I was just crying. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but for me, actually, um, it's to me, like when I think about those two years, it's like there was the wild card game and then in 14 and then everything after that is just gravy. And, so true. Right. Yeah. Cause that was like that, that. So I, this is a better anecdote about it, which is that, um, I was in the San Francisco airport, um, like, I don't know, two years ago. Uh, and so I guess it was after we won the world series. And, and so I was in the San Francisco airport and I'm going through, um, TSA and I see Billy Bean and I'm enough of a nerd that I recognize the actual Billy Bean. <laughs> and, um, and so I see him and, and I strike up a conversation and, and we're talking about when the A's actually lost that game and we're arguing about it. And then, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm arguing it was in the first inning anyway. And so at the end of the conversation, I say to him, I say, well, I'm sure it's no consolation to you at all. Uh, but you know, I took my dad to that game and it's one of the top five days of my life. And he says, he goes, it is no consolation to me at all. <laughs> That's awesome. And he goes, he goes, I guess I'm glad you had a good day with your dad. <laughs> and, and then, and then the, the end of that story is I have a, like a lot of people, I have a, a running text chain on my phone with uh, my dad and my brothers. That's literally just titled Royals chat. And it's like during games, we are like, you know, should he steal whatever. And, uh, and so the day, I guess this, no, I'm wrong. Cause this was before we won the world series, because then what happened was in 15, when we traded for Zobrist, uh, my brother and my brothers and my dad, all very cynical Royals fans, all, Oh, this is a terrible trade. I can't believe we got rid of You know, what's his name? And, and I'm like, I think it's good. So I email Billy Bean cause we had exchanged information. And I, and I was like, I think that, this is like 30 minutes after the trade is announced. And I'm like, I think this is good for us. And he emails back and he's like, I don't know how it goes for us, but this is tremendous for you and you're going to love it. So I screenshot that and I send that to the text chain. I'm like, I don't know. Billy Bean thinks it's good for us. And it's the coolest thing I've ever done from their perspective. Like that was it. They were, awesome. like, I got to tell you, I have, I weirdly have a similar story um, uh, wherein I was, uh, in, in 2012 or something. Yeah. I guess it was 2012. The Red Sox were making a bunch of moves. They'd had a terrible year the year before. And, and, um, they traded for Johnny Gomes and mm-hmm. a bunch of my friends were like, uh, you know, what, what are they doing? Like he's kind of, he's just a kind of washed up guy. And the, the, how does he help like a fifth outfielder or whatever? And I texted Brandon McCarthy, friend of the podcast, Brendan McCarthy, who had played with Gomes. And I said, "What? why do the Red Sox trade for Johnny Gomes? And he immediately wrote back and said, best best move they've made all year, best move they've made in years, they're going to win the World Series. And I wrote yeah. back and said, why? And he was like, he's the best team I've ever played with. Everybody loves him. He keeps everybody upbeat. He keeps everybody happy. He's like, uh, he's impossible not to love. I swear to God, the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. I screenshotted that and sent it to my friends. And that was the coolest thing I had ever done at that point in their eyes. And then they won in 2013. And it's like, you got to give it up to these people who know what they're talking about. When, when they, when they, when Absolutely. They yeah, like, man, good job, Billy. Ben. Good job, Brandon McCarthy. And then, and then Gomes goes to the Royals, plays almost no role on the field and helps them win the World Series. That's right. Yeah, Series. there's something there. Like Johnny Gomes, whatever, whatever that magic, uh, magic pixie dust is, he's got it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes I go back and watch highlights 
of that 2014 um, wildcard game with Oakland, not to see the highlights per se, but because I'm always convinced that the Royals actually end up losing that game. Like I feel <laughs> like one time I'm going to watch, they're down eight, three in what the eighth inning. Yep. Mm-hmm. And John Lester is on the mound. You can't win that game. It is, it's zero chance. And the great thing is they won that game without like hitting three balls out of the infield. I mean, they just, <laughs> it was the craziest stolen basey bunty, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. And you were there, right? You were at that game. I was. And it, it is, I would argue, I'm highly biased. It is the greatest game of baseball ever played. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you're, but I totally get what you mean. You're feeling like it can't end this way. And, and, and for me, like being there, it was fascinating because, so like, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Oh, God, he just played for us, uh, who hit the, oh, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he hit the home run off Ventura. He always had our number and then he just played for us for a year. Um, but anyway, so he, they take the big lead in the fourth. And, uh, and I, and at that point, like, I was like, you know what? I just got to experience four innings of playoff baseball at Kauffman stadium where everybody believed we were in it. And I was like, that's what I paid for. Like, that's what I've been living the last 29 years of my baseball life for. I was very happy, you know? And, uh, and so anyway, so I go, uh, Moss is who it was. Anyway, so I go and, um, and, and so I'm like, I'm going to go get a brisket tacho. So I go and I get a brisket tacho and I'm just sitting there eating my brisket (laughs) tacho, just happy that I experienced this thing and, you know, in life. And so then the rest of this thing takes place. It's ridiculous. I have this great picture of me and my brother and my dad and rally caps. Anyway, so well, it all happens. And then Salvi hits that ball past Donaldson. And and there was this Crazy. moment. Yeah, there's this moment that I think would not happen in most other stadiums with most other teams. There was this moment where like, we didn't all go crazy. Like the stadium didn't go crazy. We knew that, I mean, like intellectually, we knew we'd won the game. But I think everybody was doing what I was doing, which was, and this is seems like a mixed metaphor sports analogy, but I mean this literally, like looking around for the yellow flag. Like saying, <laughs> like, like I think we were all for the first five, six seconds thinking, we're the Royals. Like this, they're going to take this away from us, you know? And uh, And then when that didn't happen, like, the euphoria it, it was incredible and uh, so cool to be there but yeah i've watched that from start to finish probably three or four times um <laughs> and uh and you know because you sit when you run for office you spend more time than you'd like sitting in a room dialing the phone and calling people for money and um and when you're you know when i was down i'd be like put on the 2014 wildcard game um and, and which is also which is also why i have watched I've done the same thing with the 15 series and I have watched um, every game of the 85 series. I was four at the time, but I've watched every game of the 85 series several times, including commercials. Cause you can find that on YouTube. <laughs> and you can experience it. There, and, uh, there, there is like a thing when you're a fan of a long suffering franchise and then you have those moments, especially when you have multiple games or multiple moments where there is like a, there is a true delight in revisiting them. And and it's like, you get to watch it unfold knowing that it's all okay. And I've gone back. I watched with my jerk son who betrayed me and became a Dodger fan. <laughs> I've watched every game of the, uh, of the Oh four ALCS against the Yankees and the Oh four world series with him. And those games, like especially games four and five of the ALCS that went into extra innings that Ortiz won both of them. The first game four went into the whatever it was, 12th and game five went into the 14th. There were 30 moments in those games that were in every version of that moment in years past the Yankees won the game. There were line drives that went just foul. There were 
there were incredible there were seeing eye singles that never found the hole all that stuff and it's so enjoyable to watch it again without the anxiety <laughs> that you were feeling with the first time you watched it like it's not it weirdly sounds like you didn't have that much anxiety about it you just went and got some food and had a good time but i i mean those games were so miserable for me to watch and watching them with my son knowing the outcome was just so pleasant like i it was wonderful. I, I, I was going to say, I've done that, too. I've done that, uh, too, where I've gone back and looked at when Cleveland won the World Series. Oh, no, that's, that hasn't happened. <laughs> um, when, when the Browns won the Browns won the No, that. When the Browns beat the Patriots about. that year when Mangini was the coach. Do you go back and watch that game? I I don't I don't I can't go back and and enjoy that. If you're a Browns fan, able you're, to. If you're a Browns fan, you just go walk. You go back back and watch the draft. That's what you do. That's your big. <laughs> no, because no, you, you know who they're going to take. That's miserable. That hurts worse. Yeah, you're right. That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> which reminds me. Which reminds me. We're not going to let you just get away talking about how awesome the Royals are, and that's fine. You know, <laughs> look, the Royals are. We're obviously turning around. What about the Chiefs? What about your Kansas City Chiefs? That 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 wasn't good. That was not good. <laughs> it was. It's it was analysis. sad. That's uh, good analysis. Yeah, that was that was top notch. Um, you know, it, uh, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it, it, it's analogous to me to the. It was a few years ago, maybe four years ago, when we lost the the home playoff game to. Um, or maybe we were on the road, but to the Colts, um, you know, where they came back and we really should have had that game. So that was in Indianapolis where you're up 38 to three. Yeah. That game. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so but what the reason it felt so similar to me is because um, in both, in, in both cases, um, I was watching the game on TV with uh, my family, with my dad and with my wife. And, and I had almost the same conversation both times, which is, and Diana, my wife, was a little new to being a, a, a Chiefs fan at, at the time of the, of the first go-around with this, in the, the Colts game, where I remember in that game where we were still up for, by like three touchdowns when um, when Andrew Luck uh, grabbed the fumble and ran it into the end zone. <laughs> and my dad and I were like, well, that's it. It's over. And uh, and and my wife's like, what are you talking about? Like, we got a huge lead. And, and we both were like, not just cynical, more like just realistic. We were just like, oh, you know, you're new. To being a Chiefs fan, like you don't really understand that we're going to lose this game, and, uh, and and then we went on to and and then this game, you know, we were up and everything seemed to be going right, and then um, when Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself, yeah, uh, yes, yes, my dad and That's- I were like, this is over. And same same conversation, and we were right. Normally, so, you, normally, like you'd have to look, you'd have to really like read the tea leaves, or like use some divine augury or something to like determine the moment when it slips away. In Chiefs games, you don't. It's uh, the quarterback <laughs> threw a touchdown to himself. That the game's over. <laughs> They're gonna lose. It's, it's always a very obvious. It's always a, an incredibly obvious sign when when things are start going south. And and what happens is that thing happens. Uh, and then they cut to Andy Reid, and he's on the sidelines, <laughs> and he's just staring straight ahead with his big, his staring big walrus ahead, mustache, just, just like his eyes are a little dead. And it, what in my mind, what's always happening in those moments is there's like 30 people in his headset going, "Andy, we need we need a play call, man. What are we doing? What are we doing, Andy?" And he just is like staring. It just he doesn't even answer. He just knows it's all it's all going to slip away yeah. again. Where does Andy get those? Where does Andy get those coats that are about seven times bigger than him? I mean, he's already kind of a big guy, and he's got those coats on. He's just standing there. He looks like 
the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He's you know just a, like filled with coat, and he's just staring <laughs> straight ahead, just straight ahead. Like, oh, I just this life is brutal. I don't, I don't know, but I promise you this: that if I ever meet him, I'm going to be like Joe Pisnanski would like to know where you buy. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That is true. I do want to. Well, here's 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 actually a serious question for you along those lines because this is something Mike and I have sort of discussed. Um, uh, a couple of different times. There have been uh, coaches, more in football, I think, than any other sport. Uh, Andy Reid is one of them. Marty Schottenheimer in Kansas City Forever was one of them. Uh, Chuck Knox was one of them. Marv Levy was one of them. There are just a bunch of guys who are obviously fantastic coaches, like great regular season coaches. They get teams to the playoffs every year. They They know how to build a team. And then something happens to them in the playoffs, and I don't know if it's a, some of sometimes it's bad luck, sometimes it's bad timing. But w- what is that like? You know, because I think that probably is true in politics too. There are just certain people who are like that person is way better than their record for some reason. It's weird. I can't figure it out. Um, and obviously, like every other Chiefs fan, <laughs> I've tried. Um, <laughs> and, and I think I don't know. I think the the alternative theory, which I don't know is right, but at least with an Andy Reid or, or a Marty Schottenheimer, for instance, is what if it's the other way? What if it is that uh, that they're such a good coach that they're able to get a team to the point of being in the playoffs Ooh. that maybe didn't belong? And, and, and I, I'm not sure that I wholly endorse that idea, but I think if you look at this year's Chiefs team, um, Actually, no, I think last year's Chiefs team is a better example of that, probably, of a team that, you know, because what did they start out like? nine and oh or something uh you know and and the whole time uh i think a lot of us in kansas city were very much enjoying that but going this seems a little soft you know (laughs) Um, and so that's the other way to look at it but i what when i noticed over um like in that game and in a a few of the games where the chiefs were really in, in a rough patch in the middle of the season is uh i think that he for whatever reason there were not a lot of adjustments being made at halftime like he was out coaching the other team in the first half and not out coaching him in the second half. And I don't know why that is, but he was, you know, I don't know. Then again, what the hell do I know? I right? think I it's mean, a, it's a, it's a, um, a real kind of optimistic worldview that you're taking. And I appreciate it. You're, you're saying it's not that a guy collapses under pressure. It's that the guy has been propping up using his genius and his abilities to prop up a subpar team all season. And then he just kind of runs out of time or he, or he runs into competition that is where he can't outflank them. I think that's an, that's a wonderful, that's an incredibly like positive way to look at this. And I salute you, sir. And I think that it's a good more, way to go through life. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's more, it's more, more sports fans to take that approach to their teams, which is, like we we're gonna say that every victory is a blessing and every loss is a is a is a is a just and fair outcome. <laughs> I'm, you know what? To me, it's like you know how many years of my youth the rumor was that the Royals or the Chiefs were gonna leave Kansas City. I mean, it was oh, like yeah. right oh, yeah. all the time. And so the reason I was able to go get a brisket tacho in the fourth inning and be happy that I got to see four innings of that is because there's a big part of me that's just really happy that they're here house money yeah no i i hear you i mean i never had that threat personally with boston obviously but it it did it did feel from time to time like if you like could 
win two out of three from the Orioles in September and keep them out of the playoffs. It was like, well, that was a good year. We had a good year. You know, <laughs> that was, that was what the nineties, yeah. a lot of the nineties were like. And then it, you do, that is a, I think that that is a, uh, a good way to grow up on a team because like my son became a, a baseball fan four years ago and decided that the Dodgers were his favorite team and the Dodgers have won the, his division every year and they made it to the World Series last year and took it to seven games and his attitude right now if you asked him is very much like well next year they'll win the World Series right <laughs> next year they made it to the seventh game and lost but next year obviously they'll win and he might be right and every time one of his teams has success. I want to throttle him because I grew up. <laughs> I grew up with with nothing but heartbreak and misery, except with the Celtics. But compared to the heartbreak and misery of losing forty six to ten to the Bears in the Super Bowl and Bill Buckner and everything else, like it just didn't matter. And so I, I think I uh, a lifetime, uh, a childhood filled with uh, pain and misery and suffering is the only way to do it. It's the only way to give you a, an even keel as you grow up. I agree. I agree. And look, by the way, we would have killed to, to lose to the Bears yeah. in the Super Bowl <laughs> because we we don't get to the Super Bowl. And we would have actually killed to get to the Mets, uh, Bill Buckner World Series, too, because the Indians yeah. didn't get to the to the What's World the Series. Super Bowl? Uh, but I mean, never heard of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, by the way, uh, Chiefs were there a couple times long. I, you, you I've were. read it in history books. Yes. I've never, yes. Yes. I've, I've seen all the black and white, you know, sketches. The Chiefs, um, uh, by the way, it, the Chiefs are the uh, owners, uh, in a sense, of the greatest football photograph ever taken, which is the one of Len Dawson during Super Bowl one smoking a cigarette oh, on the, the, the bench. <laughs> That's the truly best. the one of the. There's great, a lot of. Great if you ever wonder, like how the NFL has changed from nineteen. Uh, 19- Seven until the present day. Take a look at that photo. It wasn't. Wasn't it like the USC marching it. band was the halftime entertainment or something? It was the for the first for Super yeah. Bowl one. Yeah, yeah. And and they had that guy, that flying guy. Like that was not even during halftime. You've seen the highlights of that guy flying around uh, in that whatever jet suit that he had. Uh, that was like a pregame thing. Like ooh, exciting. Yeah. And um, one flying guy at the whatever bowl that it was at. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really uh, there's actually a couple because there's another great Len Dawson photo of them doing the whatever you call that open huddle, the church pew huddle or whatever you call that thing, where he's standing, he's in the front and all of them are facing him and the photo's taken from behind. It's awesome. It's a great photograph. Uh, and you can look at that photo and see the team that was in Super Bowl one and how awesome that is and realize that they're not a single guy on that team could play in the NFL oh, yeah. today no as as. As stated, right as as they were then, you know it's 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 very different. All right, Jason, we we need we we want to we've wasted so much of your time already, <laughs> so we want to make this a little bit of a lightning round. There's several questions we want to ask you, sort of, and you can just kind of give very well. You can give as long answer as you want, but we'll make the questions short okay, if the, if that's if that's deal. Cool. All right, number one. You uh, had a little bit of a of an exchange, maybe even several exchanges uh, with a guy named Kurt Schilling, a, a baseball player named Kurt Schilling. Uh, obviously the hall of fame is up. I'm actually really curious because this is a little bit of a political question. Uh, what should voters do if they don't particularly agree uh, with Kurt Schilling's uh, life view, uh, or even hate it and, 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 uh, are sickened by it. Um, but they believe he's a hall of fame baseball player. What would you do as a voter? Uh, no one's ever asked it to me that way. <laughs> um, that's funny. 
Um, well, look, if I were able to vote, I mean, I, I think he sort of spoiled my vote a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, a, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, gosh, that's a good question. I guess I don't know Schilling's. Um, is he? I can't. I don't know his whole uh, statistical history. Like, is he borderline, or is he a guy who would clearly? be in i remember rooting for him you know because uh, i you know against the yankees obviously but i don't remember uh like is he he's it's not it's kind of on the cusp right well it's it it depends who you ask it depends who you ask there are people who would say because he doesn't have a lot of wins uh by by uh hall of fame standards um they never won a Cy Young award. There were there would be those who would say he's on the cusp. You certainly could view it that way. Uh, Mike and I's view is that he is he's a fully qualified one of the all time great best, pitchers. He has the for, best for strikeout reasons. to walk ratio of any starting pitcher in literally in the history of the game, even back to the like dead ball era. Okay, well then then you have to vote yes. I mean, because like my view on this kind of stuff is because uh, like for instance, when I've thought about this in terms of Pete Rose, if if there is something. Take you take the everything out out of it, and and you look at it, and you go. If there's something about this player, forget the player for a second. But if there's something about them that the Hall of Fame seems incomplete without them, then they have to go in. Yeah. And and so for me, like that's the argument about Pete Rose is with everything else aside, like the whole point of baseball is to get a hit. And if the guy has more hits than anybody else, like the the Hall of Fame's incomplete without him. And yeah, if he's got the best strikeout to walk ratio, then yeah, he probably belongs in there. And you know, but the character clause, you know, real drag for him. You know what? I, <laughs> I couldn't agree with that whole statement more. That's a hundred percent right. Um, by the way, the Pete Rose thing. Here's what bugs me about Pete Rose: if they had put Pete Rose in, like in 1993 or 94, whenever he was first eligible, I guess 94. Man, we would never talk about Pete Rose anymore. They totally blew this. They yeah. totally blew this. He'd be in, nobody'd care, and nobody would ever, ever talk about Pete Rose. I mean, it's it's they really stretched this thing on. All right. Uh, next question. Then Michael have a, some questions, I think, as well. Uh, I want to ask you, you your great uncle is right, is it great uncle mm-hmm. is John? Yeah, John Kander? Mm-hmm. Yes. John Kander, who uh a a wonderful Three, I think, a three-time uh, Tony Award-winning composer composed uh, Chicago Cabaret, among other wonderful things. That's awesome, right? I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. do you have a relationship. I mean, it is awesome. I, I'm just, I'm basically just doing the Saturday Night Live. Bit. Yeah, but, that, but I mean, not so cool. <laughs> <laughs> do you? But do you have? I mean, you have a relationship with him. I mean, oh, it, we're, that's, we're very close. We're very close, and uh, he's a tremendous guy, and. Um, he is, uh, I mean, he's just, he's a tremendous person and he, he, his, as I've gotten older, like growing up, um, you know, he's my great uncle and that's how I thought of him. Right. Uh, still do. But growing up, it was like, oh, wow. My, my great uncle plays piano and oh, like when we all get together as a family, like he, we go in uh, to the piano room and he plays piano and that's so fun. And then as I got older and I saw like the way people reacted to him when we were out in public, I realized, oh, wow. That's really something. And now uh, I talk to him a lot more often than I used to about uh, his work and his art because I realize, I mean, it's just incredible to be able to talk to somebody like him about it. And his his gift is really amazing. It's stuff like he memorizes phone numbers by the tones. Um, really? And, yeah. It's So just to be uh, around somebody on a regular basis and be really close to somebody who's got any kind of gift uh, that's really tremendous, but particularly that one, it, it, it's pretty cool. 
Okay, I'm going to just say memorizing the phone numbers by the tones is now the coolest thing you've said on this podcast. Oh, that's, that's it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't even understand how it works. Really, you just you're you're not <laughs> looking at what you're you're not feeling or looking yeah. at the button. You're just hearing the beep sound. Well, it's like you know, and I don't know if it works this way on cell phones actually, but you know, for landlines, it was always you know. Boop, 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 right you know, the, it would make different, it would make different noises for each button. And so, uh, you know, back when it was much more important to memorize the actual numbers, cause you didn't save them in your phone. That's how John always did is like it, somebody would say, well, what's so-and-so's number? And John would go, uh, hang on. And he'd, he'd go, duh, 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 and then he'd tell you the number. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> that's that, that's, awesome. that's the missing link to me. Cause I was like, in my head, what I was imagining is he was saying his number is d d d d d d d, but then that relied on the other person to know how to reverse, how to like retro engineer that, that be, number. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's all. I I read up a little bit on 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 him, and look, I just think that's the coolest thing and, and Chicago is one of the coolest Broadway uh, shows ever made. Um, I'll tell you before you before you go on, I'll tell you a baseball thing about him, um, which is yeah. Uh, one time when I was going to New York to do a, a political event or fundraising or something and and I and I was on the phone with them and I said something like, you know, John, sometimes I I occasionally do uh, throw your name around a little bit. Obviously, it, in New York, people get pretty excited about it. And he goes and he said, because he's, believe it or not, we're relatives and yet he is the most modest guy you'll ever meet, which doesn't really explain. <laughs> but he, he said, he goes, well, you know, tell him that uh, I wrote the song they play at the Yankee games. And I'm like, John, people know New York, New York. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't, I don't know, you know, if they do. <laughs> so it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And one of the coolest things I just, I just read was that he was the original piano player on Broadway uh, for when they were uh, getting ready to do the West Side Story, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this. I just read that. It's amazing. Just one incredible career. All right, Mike, your, your two questions. Uh, I only have one really, which is because we're running out of time, but I just wanted to, I wanted to allow you to talk real briefly about Let America Vote. This is, we generally try to avoid politics on, on the podcast because it's so, it's such a pointless exercise that we don't want to take things that are important and mix them into the stew of nonsense <laughs> you add every week, but... Let America vote to me, pretty uh, an unequivocally positive oh, yeah. thing. It's it's let America vote is like saying give humans oxygen. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I think if you if you oppose let America vote, then you're kind of a, a you're that's a that's a, a strange position to take. So why don't you just tell everyone about let America vote and where people could get more information? I will. Thanks. Um, so the the short version is that. There are uh, politicians uh, in this country who want to make it harder for folks to vote, and that's their way of trying to win elections. We call it voter suppression, and they they do things like throw up uh, roadblocks to voting, and they try and affect particular communities uh, of people who they think are not going to vote for them. And so what Let America Vote is, is the first time that that's been fought in a political way. So usually that's fought in court. Um, and that's fine. And that's still really important. But the Justice Department under President Trump has reversed all of that and is actually on the side of people who are making it harder to vote. So we have to actually have a political argument, too. And what Let America Vote does is we create political consequences for politicians who make it harder to vote, which means if you're a politician making it harder to vote, we have people knocking on doors in your district trying to make it harder for you to get reelected. And people can go to letamericavote.org to find out more. Very succinct. So awesome. So awesome.
Thanks. That was succinct. You probably have done that before, though. You probably have done that. Actually, I thought Mike's question was going to be, because this was the question that we had uh, between us that we were going to ask you directly, which is, uh, can, can you can you just be president? Can you do that? Can you just become president? We'd, we'd like for you to do that. We'd like for you to be. We'll help you any way we can. <laughs> well, that's very nice. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, well, um, you know, right now I'm focused on making sure we still hold elections. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> It's a good starting place. place. Yeah, I I will add though that as a person who's been recently gotten very into the uh, into the subject of gerrymandering districts and stuff, uh, if you want to see how and this is by the way, this is a, a both sides of the aisle issue. There are Democratic states that are badly gerrymandered. There are Republican states that are badly gerrymandered. If you want to go uh, look at the the effects of this and read about it, you can just call up a map of congressional districts in let's say around Austin, Texas is a good one. Also in the state of Maryland, that's a good one. Uh, you'll see the the crazy things that certain politicians have done in order to uh, change it the, uh, from voters getting to choose the politicians to politicians getting to choose their voters. It's a big problem. I'm a I'm a big fan of your work, so thank you for doing it. And I encourage everybody to go to letamericavote.org and, and check out uh, the work that they're doing because it's very important and it's like the cornerstone of a, of a democracy basically is that you is the idea that everybody gets a vote. So go check it out. And okay. thank you so much for uh, for joining us and wasting your time. You're a man with very little time to waste. And I, we thank you for wasting some of it with us. Well, this was fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, Mike, I still cannot believe that Jason Kander spent time talking to us. That that makes no sense to me at all. I'm uh, yeah, it's very baffling. Um, again, I, I'm still suspicious. I still feel like it was a trap somehow. Uh, but please, everybody do. I know I said this before, but go go to letamericavote.org. Now, regardless of your political affiliation, it's just the, the, the mission of the group is to make sure that everybody gets to vote. It's a pretty uh, uncontroversial American idea. So I encourage everybody to, to read about them and to support them in any way you can because it's a good group. And uh, and what a cool dude, man. That guy's cool. What a, what a cool dude. All right. But, but speaking of it's a trap, uh, and I don't want to give anything away, but I'm going to anyway. So this is a spoiler. If you've, uh, if you uh, have uh, not seen the, the new Star Wars movie um, and, and are actually listening this far into this podcast, you probably never will if you haven't seen the movie. Um, Admiral Adbar gets killed in the movie. He's gone. He's just gone in the movie with no nothing. They don't do anything for Admiral Adbar. They kind of say like, "Oh, that's a terrible day. Admiral Adbar is dead," and they don't do anything else for him. Nothing. They don't. They, they, there's no sort of space funeral for him. There's no. It's a trap meme that they share with each other. Nothing. I just think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. Where is this coming from? This is very weird. What are you? What, why did you bring this up right now? Because you said it's a trap, and it just was something that's on oh, my mind. And, and oh, this okay. Is, yeah, this is as close to uh, to uh, last meaningless thing as I'm going to well, get. It sounds like you, you know. We look. We've been searching for a, a little uh, segment to close out our podcast because we retired one last we meaningless did. thing to end this meaningless thing. And we were refusing to bow to the overwhelming societal <laughs> pressure to bring it back. So we've been searching. We've been auditioning different things. I feel like what you're auditioning here is a segment called like called gripes. Gripes. Where you just you bring up a little gripe that you want to gripe about. And your gripe is that there wasn't enough uh, honor and dignity in the end in Admiral Akbar's end in the Star Wars. Office. That is Would a, you accurately say that you totally got that right. That is my gripe. My gripe is 
for a character of first of all a character who was there from the very beginning uh to 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 uh for him to to die uh and really get like not even like a two lines of dialogue give him give him something like you know they just basically like oh it's terrible day admiral akbar's dead that's it nothing that's that is my gripe yes all right well i didn't know we were doing this but i can probably come up with a gripe i can come up with a gripe uh, <laughs> i got a million of them oh i here's a little gripe i think that um at least here in los angeles um you know, you used to look forward to certain late night hours or weekends or holidays where you would really you would go and park at a meter and you would realize, oh, it's after hours or it's a weekend or it's a holiday or it's like a Sunday or a holiday. And that means there's no meters today. And I feel like they're taking that away from us. There's more and more wow. late hours and Sundays and even holidays now where the meters like you still got to feed the meter. And I, it's a little, I, I'm a little gripey about it. I feel like it's not fair. I feel like, I mean, and until there are certain meters in Los Angeles where, like, you got to feed the meter until like ten o'clock at night or eleven o'clock or something. That's crazy. not right. I thought the whole point of the meter was like just during office hours, right? Like, oh, yeah, I did. It's what you yeah, need. it's not. I, I agree, and I feel like the the joy that you would feel occasionally when like you would pull into a meter and it would be like. 7.01 p.m. And you'd be like, oh, my God, I just just got here right after the meter and expired. Uh, yeah, so that's my that's my mini gripe. I like that gripe. By the way, are the meters in Los Angeles generally that when you deal with, are they are they um, credit card? They're meters? almost all credit card now. Yeah. 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 Boy, thank goodness for that. Oh, I mean, oh, when you whenever you see one that's not a credit, like who carries change around? Yeah. Like anybody? Know. And now, especially that you, you can pay stuff with your phone. I mean, if, sorry. If, no, if you it's want true. To- it, it when you see a coin-operated meter, it's like, oh, look at that relic from the d- distant <laughs> past. It's true. It's so true. All right. I like this gripe thing. This, this I think this is a future. We'll we'll have to see. There, There is a thread over on our uh, subreddit. Uh, our subreddit, like we have anything to do with it. There, there is a subreddit and there is a thread, I have been told, uh, where you can uh, suggest – what you want uh, our our last subject uh, you know section to be right? But I like I like gripes. I, I think gripes has a. I think there's a future with gripes. All right, maybe we'll we'll maybe we'll audition gripes again next next time and let's see if people like it. All right, we can, might do that. Well, as always, Michael, thank you. Thanks for having me.